Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 48. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, He will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Grass withers, flower fades, word of our God stands forever. So we've been preaching through this section here in Luke chapter 12. There's a a long sermon that Jesus has or teaching segment starting at the beginning of chapter 12 when he gets his disciples together and begins to teach them with some warnings and to to acknowledge Christ and then his parable of the rich fool. Then the section we spent three weeks on on not being anxious and how to deal with fear. And, And Jesus continues then in this talk with his disciples, and he, he changes a little bit, but, but really it's, it's, we're out of anxiety and fear, but he's still discussing the great big realities he's been trying to lift up before them to combat anxiety and fear. Jesus is calling them to, to consider realities outside of themselves, bigger than themselves, the realities of who God is, the, to think on his kingdom, to seek his kingdom, to consider the birds, the blooms, the flowers, how they grow and how God takes care of the birds and all of these things, to seek his kingdom, to consider eternal treasure, we talked about last week, to consider bigger things than just the small realities that are contained inside of themselves. And, and still, he, he presses this issue forward of thinking about big realities that there are in life instead of focusing in on themselves. So though this is a long section, verses 35 through 48, these 13 verses, really Jesus is just trying to get across one point. And he's got two or three different parables that he brings up in communicating this one point. 
But he's just raising the importance of this reality. And it is to stay awake and be ready. Stay awake, be ready. The follower of Jesus is to live with a certain kind of wakeful readiness. Stay awake, he says. Be ready. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep. Be ready. Dress for action. Keep your lamps burning. The big idea from the passage this morning is that followers of Jesus are to fight for constant wakeful readiness. Wakeful readiness. That is what he's pressing for. And in this morning, there is to be a, a, an eagerness or a urgency to the message of Jesus that we stay awake to what he is doing. We stay awake to who he is. We do not fall asleep, but that we stay awake. And by staying awake, we are readied for whatever he would have for us. So what is he ready for what? That kind of is the question. Get ready. Well, okay. Get ready. What do you mean? Get ready for what? And from the passage, you can kind of see there's is to get ready for the master's service. The master is going to be returning in the first parable from this wedding feast. And the, the workers are to get ready so that when the master comes back, they're ready to serve. He doesn't have to stir them up, doesn't have to wake them up. They are to be ready for the master's service. They're to be ready for when the master shows up. And he walks to the front door, they're to be ready to open the doors to him, to be ready to serve, be ready for his appearance, and to be aware of the attack of enemies, to be ready for the attack of enemies. He goes to this other parable, he switches, switches imagery uh, in the middle, uh, the second parable of this thief who's going to come in and steal. And so you're to be ready for any negative attack. You're to be ready for all of these things. And there's an immediate context that, that in Christ's time, they would have understand the kingdom is coming. Christ is here. Get ready. The master is appearing. Get ready for service. Be ready for him. And that's still definitely in view today. But something even further has happened in the life of Christ that very well is laid on top of this idea of readiness. And it is that when Luke is writing this, he knows the rest of the story. He's heard the, from the eyewitness testimony, the sermons that Jesus has taught, and he knows that Christ has gone to the cross, suffered for the sins of the world, died and was buried, and was rose again three days later. Teaches his disciples, appears and is seen by many witnesses, and then he ascends into heaven, and what does the angel say? In the same way you saw him go, he will return. That there is a return of the master that is coming. And so that very easily, though his, his audience at the time of him teaching this may not have got that, we know what he's meaning when he says the master is on his way. Are you awake and are you ready? Christ has promised a return. He will come one day to judge the living and the dead. He will come. He will return to set up his kingdom here on earth. We, we will be caught up with him that last week in Thessalonians. We'll be caught up together with the, those who have died with Christ, those who are alive in Christ. We'll be caught up together with him in the clouds. And so we'll be with him forever. And we read Revelation 20. The new city of Jerusalem comes down and the, the light of God is their light by day. And they, they live in the, his presence Forever, there is this coming return of the master. 
We are to be ready because the master is on his way. And his joy is to find servants ready for his return. The joy of the master is that when he returns, he finds servants who are waiting and excited and eager for the master to return. The change in the topics from last week starts at verse 35. We, we read it that this, this call to stay dressed for action. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. And this language of dressed for action, um, it, it's got a clear understanding in, in their time and day. And I guess really you kind of understand it's day when you go do certain activities. Um, unless you're Justin Cole. Like, has anyone noticed Justin Cole walking around town lately? He walks around town. He gets off of work. And this is not, not in my notes. <laughs> he gets off work and he walks around town in his suit and tie, his shirt and tie. Has anyone else seen this? That's not how you walk around. Yes, thank you. Somebody will have seen it. And you're like, what are you doing? Take your tie off. He's not dressed for action. He's in work clothes. We all understand that when you go to go, to, to go for a walk, you dress yourself appropriately, except for Justin Cole. And if you can see him, you can tell him that I talked about him because I, I gave him a hard time when I saw him. He's still working. Okay, that's, that's, just, that's what he's saying. All right. There's an idea of being dressed for action. Well, back in Jesus' times, they, you wore these long tunics. And they, you've heard the phrase, gird up your loins. And what they're talking about is you would take this tunic and you'd gather it all up in front of you like this. A big old kind of robe, kind of a dress. You'd, and you'd gather, you had a belt around it. You'd gather it all up in front of you. And then you'd swing it back between your legs, tuck it in the back of your belt so that your legs were free for action. Your, your dress, it was, a, it was a real thing you did that if you're going to be about work or you're going to need to go uh, do something quickly or do, lift anything. I mean, if you try to, I don't know if you ever had a, a bathrobe on or anything like that and you bend, or a long coat, like a trench coat, and you bend down to pick something up and then you step on it and then you try to pick it up and you can't because you're tearing your coat at the same time. You got you to gotta bind that. You get, get dressed for action. That's what he's meaning. This is this idea of I am at all times in my workout clothes. I am at all times ready for action. I am I am ready to move when the master shows up, when the master when the master arrives, when I hear the master's desire, when the master calls for something. I don't have to say, well, give me 20 minutes. I need to go get you're ready for action. You're ready to go. In the same way that he calls for them to dress for action, he says, keep your lamps burning. Keep your lamps burning. And you could go to the parable of the ten virgins and the, and the gospel accounts of the lamps that are burning, five are foolish and five are wise, and, the, and they've got the, the, having your lamps burning. And it's this language that I've really come to like after um, we renamed, I, I kind of pulled out from, oh, I was looking at newsletters in Bill's office, and they used to call the newsletter, or a section of it, the lamplighter. And so we've kind of, kind of brought that back, this imagery of lamplighting. It's very biblical imagery of keeping your lamps burning. It's rich biblical imagery. And the usage here is a call for keeping yourself ready to work and labor for the master in all circumstances. You're not to let your lamp burn out and sit around in the dark. What happens when your lamp burns out and it gets dark? You get sleepy eyes. And if, you, if your lamps burn out, you'll not see the master come. You'll not respond as speedily 
if, and you'll, if you waste your time trying to light your lamp so you can work in the dark. Instead, Jesus says, keep your lamps burning. If your lamp is burning, the darkness that brings drowsy eyes is kept at bay. So from that introduction, stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, be like men who are waiting for their master to come home for the wedding feast so they open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. From there, he goes to these other parables and they're almost kind of split in two. The first section is this, it's a beatitude. You know, we talk about the section in the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning is the beatitudes, blessed are the poor for they shall be made rich, blessed are the merciful for they, they shall be shown mercy, all these blessings Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And here we have blessing. Verse 37, blessed are those servants. We have, there's three places that he speaks of this blessing. It's verse 37. Then at the end of verse 38, blessed are those servants. Verse 43, blessed is that servant. There's this blessing that comes upon the one, these beatitudes, upon the doer of the action. The, the one who is ready when the master returns. The one who is awake. Blessed. Blessed are those servants, verse 37, whom the master finds awake. Who the master finds awake when he is, comes. And then the second parable is more negative. This is the first half is all the blessing of the one who is awake and ready. And the second parable gets a little dark. <laughs> if you're listening... Don't ever let me tell you Jesus only said nice, fluffy things. He said some really hard things. This, I mean, turn here, okay. Here's, the, Jesus gives a parable of these workers who are not ready and they go and they're, they're getting drunk and they're eating and drinking and they're abusing those who they've been given charge over. The master comes home and he cuts him in, cuts the servant in pieces and puts him with the unfaithful. That is not fluffy language. That is pretty hard words coming from Jesus. The master is not happy when he shows up. He receives a severe beating for failing to heed what he knew the master was asking of, of him. So what can we understand at a minimum from this passage is that Jesus is not soft peddling the call to follow him. The stakes are high. Stay awake. Be ready. And then we have this interesting final clause of those who are entrusted much, who are given much, much will be required. And much who are, who, those who are entrusted with much, they'll be demanded all the more. Basically, the idea is that you are in deeper trouble this morning for hearing truth about Jesus and rejecting it than to never hear it at all. You're in deeper trouble for having heard the gospel call and rejecting it than by being an unbeliever, not hearing the truth of the gospel and rejecting God on those ends. For those who are Christ's, every blessing that comes to you in this life is just extra added blessing. If you have Christ, you have the greatest blessing. You have the treasure that is imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. And every temporal blessing that comes your way is just is just blessing that you have. And not only that, every suffering that comes your way in this life will then be turned for your ultimate better. It will be turned for your good. So as a, as a believer in Christ, every good thing coming your way can be rejoiced in and can thank God for. And every suffering that comes your way, you can know God is going to work this for my ultimate good. Satan, like Joseph says, the enemy may have meant this for evil, you meant this for evil, but God has meant it for good. However, for the unbeliever, 
every bad thing that comes, every suffering that comes in the life of someone who is not Christ is just a foretaste of their eternal damnation. It is just, it is a foretaste of what is coming, every suffering that comes their way. But on top of that, every good thing that comes in the life of an unbeliever will actually end up working to deepen their judgment because the goodness of God is being displayed for them and they persist in rejecting. They stay asleep. They are not awake to this reality. And so Jesus says, everyone to whom much is given, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will be demanded of all the more. So again, the big idea in this teaching section Christ followers should live in a state of wakeful readiness. Wakeful readiness. Why does Jesus have to say wakeful readiness? Well, we are a sleepy people. I don't just mean this morning. <laughs> we are a sleepy people. We are falling asleep. We are, we are very sleepy. And some of you are amen. And yes, Darren, I, how do you know? The mom's in the room. Yes, I am tired. How does Darren know this? How does, but, but I don't just mean physical tiredness. We are a sleepy people. And it, it strikes me that in this unit, Jesus is commanding for us to take time for thoughtful consideration. You remember a few weeks ago, this passage just previously, consider the birds. Consider the flowers of the field. Consider the grass. Consider Jesus' calling for contemplation to think about what you're doing, to think about life, to think about reality, to think about the things that are going on. He's calling for us to consider. And in, in this section, he's calling for wakefulness. Wake up. Open your eyes. See what's going on. What does he know? He knows that we are all prone to get lured, lulled to sleep in this life. We're just prone to, to just go through life just hypnotized almost. We are prone to just get lulled to sleep. Have you ever had that experience where you, you're driving somewhere, you know, and it's the, it's the drive you always make. I mean, I don't have far to drive to work, just a few blocks, but, you know, if you, you make a regular drive somewhere, and then one day you, you show up at the place where you're, you're intended to go, and you don't remember any of the drive on the way there. And it's like you're, you're terrified. I had that, had no idea what was going Where was my mind that whole time? Um, I can't make confessions about my job because uh, I can't. So, but you do something with real repetitive action, and then sometime you get halfway, you get an hour later in the day and you're like, I have no idea if I was, I don't even know. Because you just get lulled to sleep with the monotony of life, don't you? That, that repetitive, repetitive life, repetitive motions, just the, the, all these things that go on, the way that we do the things that we do, we, we just get lulled to sleep. And Jesus is calling for wakefulness. Wake up. What are you doing and why are you doing it? Why do you listen to what you listen to? When, when your evening comes along, when you go home at night from work, why do you organize your evening the way that you do? Why, why, do, why do we organize in all the activities that we engage in? That those things we, we devote our families to. Why? Why? Jesus is calling for us to be awake. What shows we watch on television, how we spend our money. Wake up. The master is coming. 
The master is coming. There is a, there is a master. <laughs> there is someone who has thoughts on all of these things. And we best not be lulled to sleep and miss what his desire is for us. We are to live awake with a constant eye for our master. Not lulled to sleep, just going through the motions of life. The reality is that wakefulness leads to readiness. Wakefulness leads to readiness. If you are awake to the reality of the master, you will start getting ready. (laughs) If, If your eyes are open to the reality of this God who is, who made everything, who sits over top of everything, who is Lord of heaven and earth, if your eyes are open to the reality of who he is, if you are awake to that reality, you will get ready. If you're asleep to that reality, man, there's no big deal, no, no big pressure. You can, it is, if you desire, and in the contrast, if you desire to be ready, like, okay, I've, I've heard, but I'm not, okay, that's that thing there with that God and what, but I'm going to get ready. And you make all these preparations, but you fall asleep. You're the person who has gassed up their car on a stakeout. They, they've gassed up their car. They've gotten their hot coffee. They've gotten their donuts. They got their camera. They're ready for the stakeout. And then they fall asleep. And the person they're supposed to be watching for shows up and takes off because they were ready, but they weren't awake. We are called for wakeful readiness. From this parable, it's clear. We need to be awake to the desires of our master the return of the master and the wrath of the master. So how do you produce wakefulness? I mean, we probably could go around and probably give ideas. My brother uh, used to, he was a Marine and he, I think it was Camp Lejeune. How do you say that? Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, which is out on the East Coast. He was stationed there for a year or so. And it's a 20-hour drive. And of course, being a kid, uh, what I consider a kid now, he's, Old, anyway, he was a kid and he would make a 20 hour drive in one little leg. He'd just get it, he'd leave at six o'clock at night and just drive all night and come home. And his answer, don't you get tired? Yeah, but what he would do is he would crank the stereo, roll down the window, and stick his head out the window. And that was how he stayed awake. Now, I don't recommend it, but that's, I put that out there for your consideration. Uh, here's one way to stay awake uh, as you're driving through the middle of the night. But this is, if we take the metaphor, is that how we're to produce wakefulness here? I, I don't think so. I'm not sure how you'd even do that to stay awake anyway. But the, the wakefulness that's calling here, if, if you were to keep a lamp lit, you must keep feeding fuel to the fire. If you're to keep a lantern lit, you must keep it fueled. If, if it seems to me that it, you cannot stay awake then if you're not fueling the lamp which will light your room so that you can stay awake for the master. You can't make the fire happen in this metaphor. You can't make the fire happen. God gives light where he gives light. But what you can do is heap up kindling. Bring in fuel for the fire. You bring in this kindling, you bring in the firewood, you bring in the fuel. God lights it like Elijah against the prophets of Baal. Remember, he gets all the things together. He hears the command of God. He piles up the firewood, the bowl, pours the water, and then he sits back and calls for God to light the fire. We 
call on God and ask Him to light the fire. And the thing we do is we gather the kindling. We pile up the fuel for God to light. How do we then stay awake? How do we keep our lamps lit? By adding fuel for the fire. And we do have clear means of doing that. How do we add fuel for our lamps? Common means of grace are channels that God works through to bring His people closer to Him. Right here in this corporate gathering, as you make time to come and sit this morning to sing hymns with other believers, to pray to God, to partake of communion, to listen to the gospel, to have scripture read over you, is piling up kindling to light your lamp that you might stay awake. And you might stay awake. Neglect the gathering of together, gathering together of God's people or fail to pray with other Christians. Turn off your hearing to the gospel proclamation. Don't come together and come to the table. Remember the sacrifice of Christ. Don't remember that and, 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 and forget the forgiveness of your sins. Those are all guaranteed ways to rob your lamp of its fuel. And the light goes out and you fall asleep. Taking heed to God's word, studying the scripture. This is a book of metaphorical kindling for you to read and fuel for your lamp that God might, as you pour it in, that's why we try to memorize scripture here, is so that we have this fuel tucked into our hearts that God, by his mercy, might light it, that our lamps might burn, that we might stay awake because we have our eyes opened to the reality of our God, stayed awake and are ready for his return. The other way to stay awake and to be ready is to see the true glory of the realities that you are awake to. Don't you find it weird sometimes the things you can stay awake for? Like, um, if it's some boring job or some task you don't really want to do, but you have to do, you know, you're just you're nodding off all the time trying to get the thing done. But, but have you ever, for instance, have you ever been a chaperone for one of those uh, sleepover things with, with teenage kids? Um, I used to have to do that kind of stuff. It was a nightmare. But you, you kind of bill it as, let's have a, a sleepover. And what you mean and communicate is basically, let's all stay up all night together. And the kids think it's fun unless you're the chaperone. And you're like, this was a terrible idea. I don't want to stay up all night. But you're kind of obligated to stay up because that's how you build it. And so someone has to be the responsible adult and stay awake. And so you're there and the kids are all having a good time. You have no interest in it. You move to the chair. You start nodding off. You, okay, this I'm having fun. And eventually you just put a, the most responsible kid in charge. You say, if anything goes wrong, come wake me up. I'm going to go sleep. Because you're just doing some task you don't really care about. You're tired. But the contrast of that... It's like the night when, when Joel was born, right? So we go into uh, spend the day in labor and then end up in an emergency C-section at 8 o'clock, 8.03? Uh, I was going to say 9, but I think it's 8. So at 8 o'clock, and then we go in and, and have this, and then he has to go right to the ICU and, and for various reasons or whatever. And, and so it was. I was up at 5 in the morning. I wasn't tired at all. I, I'd been up all night going back and forth to see Joel and to feed him and to check on Darla and back and forth. And I wasn't tired a lick. I'd been up all night. But the things that you're excited about, the things that bring you joy, the things that interest you, that really get your, your interest, that, you're, that have your joy, keep you awake. 
So one way to keep awake is adding fuel, knowing your Bible, gathering together, praying with other Christians, having fellowship in the spirit of of what God wants to do among us. That's one way of staying awake. The other way of staying awake, making sure your view of God is the true joyous view of who He is. What if in the piling up, this kindling of the truth of God, as you get into your Bible, as you gather and hear the gospel preached, you pile up this kindling, you actually begin to see the good news of the gospel for what it is. And the joy that is found in Christ no longer becomes this thing of, I've got to put toothpicks in my eyelids, I've got to stay awake to this thing I don't really care about. But it becomes... I'm awake for this thing. I cannot, this, this news that I have heard of this great God and His Son, my Savior, is such great news. My wakefulness is there. We stay awake to the desires of the Master because we know His plans are for our ultimate good. We, his plans are for His ultimate glorification that he would be glorified and he's going to achieve that by having a people who are overwhelmingly glad and satisfied in him. When those are his desires to have a people glad in him forever, when those are his ultimate desires, you can stay awake to that reality that God wants my joy in him forever. We stay awake to the desires because we know that his plans are for our ultimate good. We stay awake to his return because we know that one day Jesus is going to return and we will forever be with him. Don't you long in this life for sure footing? I mean, don't you ever just feel like you're in a ship tossed everywhere with no ground? Don't you long for sure footing? A place to stake your life that will not fail? A kingdom that will not wear out? That is Christ's kingdom, and it's the kingdom he welcomes us into. And the third thing that I'd said, I'd said for the parable, the desires of the master, the return of the master, and the wrath of the master. We stay awake to the reality of the wrath of the master because we know that we're all that servant that deserves to be cast out. We're all that servant that deserves to be cut in pieces. We are the servants who have squandered our duties. We have fallen asleep. We've gone to sleep and died in the bed. We're, we, are, we are so far away in our natural state from what the master would have for us. Yet we have found ourselves freed from that wrath that's coming to us. We've found ourselves freed from that wrath through the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see the wonder that salvation from God's wrath is for those who deserve it? You are that servant. We all are that servant, the parable warns about, who has forsaken and fallen asleep. What does Christ do? We've been that sleepy and foolish servant who deserved to be cut to pieces. And what does God do? He puts on flesh. Christ, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, puts on flesh and He takes the cutting that we as sinners deserve upon Himself. He takes the wrath that we deserve into Himself. The cutting that is due to sinners like you and me. And by His grace and His mercy, He absorbed the wrath into Himself so that life and joy and peace could flow to us who do not deserve it, but are given it freely by His grace through faith in this work of Christ. Can you see that reality? Wakefulness, when you see that, wakefulness is not trying to pinch yourself or snap a rubber band to wake yourself up. How can you fall asleep? When you see what God has done for us in Christ, see it this morning. 
See it as we come to the table. Here is a meal for sinners. Remember the life that was broken, the blood that was spilled and shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Hear the gospel proclamation and pile up that kindling. Pile up that, this good news of what God has done. Pile up the kindling and pray for God to bring light and life to you that you might keep awake and ready. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the good news of the gospel. I pray that it would that you would give us eyes awakened to it, that our joy in it might be full. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.